Hey, all you listeners out there, welcome back to Region Unlocked, the amazing podcast where my buddy Cameron and I so say hi, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. <laughs> where we talk about the amazingness of nerd culture and our awesome childhoods regarding video games. This is season two of Region Unlocked. And by the way, I live in Japan and Cameron lives in Indiana. Let's do it. Folks, what's up? How's it going? We are back with Region Unlocked yet again. Hey, Cameron, what's up? Uh, not much, Jake. I am once again excited to be here to talk yeah. about more of the GameCube. But yeah, me too. Before we do that, uh, let's let's talk about each other real quick. Okay. And, and sounds by, good. And by that, I mean, uh, what's up with you? I feel like I need to apologize first because every time we start an episode, like I feel like. It's super awkward at the beginning because we have to get in this mindset of like being on mic. And yeah, <laughs> I feel like the start is always like really clunky and unnatural. But it has and to be. We we, we don't see each other for a week and <laughs> we're done with our jobs and we're, you know, sleeping in over the weekend. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Here we are. We got to do this uh, podcast. I mean, True. it's not it a chore. Takes... It's definitely fun, but <laughs> we do have to get into the groove of things. Yeah, it takes like 15 minutes into the episode to finally start clicking so but, all right anyway, we've got uh, this all right gaming news <laughs> what have what have i been up to uh as i told you last week i've been playing a lot of wow yeah. a lot of animal crossing <laughs> right now it's an exciting time and well you know an update just came out in animal crossing through august which yeah. i know those of you listening it's no longer august but like there's fireworks uh every sunday night which is cool. Yep. It's just it's nice when that game finally doesn't update because honestly, I love that game. I have played it every single day since the day it came out. Which wow. is at this point I just cuz you know, it tracks it in game, so it's over like 120 days, which is also just crazy cuz this game came out pretty much right when schools got closed back yeah. in March. So I mm-hmm. think this came out like March 21st or 22nd. And now today is, we're on the same day right now, right? So it's, uh, what, August yeah. 3rd? Yeah, yeah it's August almost 3rd. August 4th here. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't believe how long we've been home. So I'm curious, for those of you listening, did I should be back at school. Am I still at school? Did it get closed again? Who knows? Because Ba-ba-ba. it is certainly way worse in the world now than it was when school got closed. <laughs> It's true, but here we are doing a, a podcast to, uh, you know, create a bit of escapism. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, I was talking about Animal Crossing and, and lost my train. Uh, I've been playing it just so much, and while I love that game, there's still so many parts of it where it's like, really, you've been making Animal Crossing for so long now, and there's still <laughs> these like little little changes that that drive me crazy, where it get it's monotonous as heck after a certain point but that that's on me i've got 195 hours in it my wife has over 380 and i'm sure 100 more by the time people hear this um yeah but it just my my biggest complaint about this game is the animals i feel like um at least in the gamecube one it was really they were always sending you on chores 
and mm-hmm. doing stuff. Now there's very little to actually do with them. You just, you just talk to them and can give them stuff, but they mm-hmm. very rarely give you any tasks to do. This game really yeah. just gives you nothing to do other than decorate your island, and that is it. And well, after you beat it, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you don't. Uh, oh, you mean like pay off all your house and yeah, whatnot? Pay, yeah, and then get KK over there that's technically beating it. But, I mean, let's be honest, Uh-oh. the real game doesn't start until after you can start, you know, altering and terraforming and stuff. Yeah, but I was just, I'm so bummed with, they give you all the stuff to decorate with, to mm-hmm. set on your island and the animals don't interact with it at all they just sit yeah. on benches and they like will look at stuff but for the most part they're always just in my main plaza uh-huh. doing exercises <laughs> and that's it yeah. and it, it really ticks me off because nintendo put out animal crossing pocket camp on phone and we played that i, I played that like every day until uh the new animal crossing came out i actually i enjoyed the phone version but like it gave you little things you could build in your campsite, like a little skate park or a swimming pool. And the uh-huh. animals would actually like ride the half pipe and oh, okay. just these basic, these basic little interactions that made it feel more lived in. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in this, you know, full fledged switch game. It's like, <laughs> why, why is there so little interactivity? And because of that, it makes my Island feel so empty where it's like, oh, look at this cool cafe area I built that no yeah. animals walk through. Look at the swimming pool area that they never come to or even lay on the bench. Yeah. It, it makes yeah. me really mad. That's deep, man. That's deep. Not the pool. <laughs> the whole thing that you just described there. But it makes sense. I mean, a lot of, I guess, the replay value and um, stuff that you can really do with this game comes from sharing it, it seems like. Uh, speaking of which, I got another little oh. rant. Oh, dang. So, All right, let's hear it. So, share. well, first off, sharing it. Yeah, you can have eight people on your island at a time to do nothing with each other. Sorry, I just smacked my mic. <laughs> you, you just, like, walk around and hit each other with your nets. There's nothing to do when you have people over. And it's like, why is having eight people on your island a selling point when all you do is run around? There's it's no true. mini games. You can play hide and seek, but that's on your own. Um, why? Why is there nothing to do with your friends? And it's like, why is a game that I feel like it has so much polish, but they could have fleshed it out so much more? And that's how they get you with Animal Crossing is that they just each game they just change it a little bit. They add just yeah. a little bit more. When it's okay. like so much of this, it's like in 2020 should have been considered. And I know it's this is all silly because I have so much time in this game to be complaining about it, but it's just like little bursts of ten to twenty minutes a day just to to do the chores to go find the fossils to see what's in the shop and yeah. i just I haven't enjoyed it for a while, but what were you about to say yet yet you play it every day <laughs> no no i've I've been feeling kind of the same thing too. Maybe the issue right now is it's too sandboxy. Like, there's not enough prompts for things that you can do, like new things that you can do. Like, yeah, you can go okay. on YouTube and, you know, watch a YouTuber create a obstacle course for their friends. But does that mean that you can do it too? It's like, oh, okay, you can do anything in this game, but, like, where do you start? 
I don't know if that made any sense, but uh, oh well. Not not really, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> um, so the other thing that I wanted to rant about is in this most recent update, they added uh, dreams. Luna, the anteater or whatever, you can go to sleep in your bed and then dream to visit someone else's island mm-hmm. without them actually being there. Yeah. And th- so have you seen that? You knew that you could do that? Yes. In the new update? Yes. So this just made me angry because I thought, oh, cool. Like, so you can dream of other islands and this is a cool way to like visit random islands and get inspiration and see what other people have done. No, it gives you a dream code. So you have to type in a code to visit this person's island. And it's like a stupid 12 digit code. And (laughs) it's like, how, how on earth is this any different from them? Like opening their gates and sending me the Dodo code to go there other than you get to go there when they aren't yeah but other than that it's like how is this different because i'm pretty sure in the 3ds in uh new leaf you could you could visit random islands and see what they had done but in this it's like what on earth is the point if i have to have someone's code yeah you know that that's Uh, really stupid i've not really explored the idea too much other well, you than... don't need to because that's all it is. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'd at least like to try and visit another island. I mean, yeah. Oh well. I'll I'll send you. I'll after this. I'll I'll find my code. I'll send it to you. Cool Heck, beans. Let's throw our codes on Twitter. Then anyone could come dream of our islands. <laughs> Not that there's much to dream about with my island, <laughs> other than the fact oh, that it's a wonderful. pretty standard island. Oh, there's probably some really fancy islands out there. Mine probably won't compare. It's <laughs> yeah. it's not up to par. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Uh, we've gone long enough without talking about the GameCube, which is why we're here. So, Jake, let's get right back into it. Let's do it. The first thing that we completely forgot to talk about is the design. The design of the GameCube. So the cube design describe the cube to us what's so what what is the deal here oh gosh it's crazy it's got like you know it's got this cube type shape where it looks like a box almost yeah kind of like uh, a game box yeah kind of like a game box except it's more cube like but Uh, oh you know the awesome thing about the gamecube is not only was it the you know introduction of the optical technology um for nintendo finally we're out of the whole cartridge world but had a handle on the back that you could carry it around it with. did i thought that was cool <laughs> and there were a bunch of ports that were actually utilized later um like for the game boy player and stuff like that like on the bottom you could take some of the pieces out oh. or the little um where you could um, yeah hook things up but it looked sleek for the time especially okay but it took the little yeah. tiny uh, discs, the little tiny half-sized discs. I don't know what you call those. but I forget. Yeah, if you don't know what the GameCube is or you're too young to remember it, that's what it looked like. <laughs> it looked like a cube, hence the title. That was the design, essentially. Like, what were your yeah. reactions to it when you first played it or, or, or saw it, uh, I should say? You know, I, I don't really remember. I, I guess I didn't have a... a an opinion either positive or negative and you know i'm guessing i probably saw it and thought why is it purple that's not oh. very boyish 
a, a purple GameCube, which now yeah. like I have a I have a purple one because my black one quit reading discs and for some oh. reason so I bought a purple one and I'm Snap. I love it because it okay. feels more original. So I found some stuff about like why they designed it this way, and I think it's interesting because. First off, I thought the most ironic thing was they were aiming to make something that looked less toy-like, to be more modern, something Mm -hmm. that you can have on display with your TV. And sure, it is more sleek and and streamlined and minimal, but it's purple. And Mm -hmm. I think it it still made it look more toy-like. But through their research, they found that especially Japanese consumers... Mm-hmm. Really, they preferred their electronics to be small. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they compacted this thing as tight as they could to make this small little gaming case. And honestly, like, it's impressive. I have watched some teardown videos on YouTube where they take it apart and dissect it. Mm-hmm. And they just did such an efficient job at packing all of this hardware into such a small space that it's really just, you know, it's from an engineering standpoint, just super impressive. Mm. But also, so part of that, their design philosophy is that as we get into the 2000s, you know, more and more people have multiple TVs throughout their house. Uh That wasn't really the case always through the 90s where, you know, it was was much more common to just have one TV in the living room. Yeah. But now they're like, oh, people have TVs all over. So that's why they made it small and have a handle. So it's like they can easily transport it back and forth to different TVs and to, you know, friends' houses. And I just thought, how weird is that? Because I know a lot of people used to make fun of it because it had a handle on it. <laughs> well, the designers had a handle on the situation finally, I think. They, they certainly did. Keeping up with the modern age. Yeah. So speaking of design. Have you heard of the Panasonic Q? No, I have not. This sounds like an interesting story. It's moderately interesting. So uh, the Panasonic Q is basically another GameCube built hmm. by Panasonic. And hmm. it plays DVDs. So, you know, that was a huge selling point for PlayStation. So uh-huh. having a DVD player would seem to make sense. But... Nintendo had partnered with Panasonic to make the disc reading technology for the GameCube. So it's kind of similar to the PlayStation situation we talked about a few episodes ago, Mm. where Nintendo, you know, they had originally partnered with Sony to make a disc drive. And because of that, it gave Sony like the rights to make their own version of the N64, oh, of the Super Nintendo, remember? Uh So they made the Nintendo PlayStation. Yeah got canned and all the drama there. But so like a similar situation with Panasonic, Panasonic then had the rights to make their own version of the GameCube. And it's, it looks very similar. It's a, it's a bit bigger. I'd say it's about 50% bigger than the GameCube. And it's very shiny mirror like, mm-hmm. like super Chrome. And okay. it plays DVDs and it's honestly, it's kind of cool, but it didn't sell very well at all. And so, it got canceled, but I oh. like I had seen it before, and I just assumed it was like a Japan or China exclusive or something. But I think it huh. came out in the U.S. Just no one bought it. That's really interesting. I think I've probably seen pictures of that now that you're describing it. But like yeah. you just said, I think it was one of those situations where like 
I thought it was some photoshopped image of like a cool system <laughs> that wasn't real, but you know, because photoshopped stuff was really big. Yeah, but yeah, to that's fake people out. I think that's what it was. Okay, so it was real, or I guess yeah. it was going to be real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pants on cue. Random, random tangent there. So the next most important thing about the design here is the controller. So what are your overall impressions of the GameCube controller? Well, how ergonomic it was compared to even the PlayStation and the Xbox. It felt amazing. Like, it fit your hand really nicely. And that was super significant, especially because of the upgrade from the N64 controller, which was really weird. (laughs) Granted, it was great and memorable, but it was weird. Uh, Let's all be honest. And I got so upset one day when I had this magazine that reviewed all three of the competing systems, the Xbox, the PlayStation 2, and the GameCube. And they concluded that the PlayStation 2 had the most ergonomic controller. And that made me super mad. I think I crumpled up my magazine and I threw it. Because it was just not true. I loved the GameCube controller. And even looking back, having played with the Xbox, PS2, and GameCube controller extensively, I can say with full confidence that the GameCube controller felt the best. That's just my opinion. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's objective. Like, there's no... That thing was the most ergonomic, most comfortable controller. I'd I'd say maybe even still today. Like, it fits your hand perfectly. Yeah, And to say that the PlayStation controller was better, that's just stupid. Yeah, I thought it was goofy as heck. <laughs> like, seriously? I seem to remember similar things growing up. Like, hearing that, that developers didn't like the GameCube controller and that people thought it was silly because of, like, the button placement. And I just, I never understood that at all. And maybe oh. I'm just misremembering things. Because I think now, in hindsight, everyone recognizes how great the GameCube controller was. Everyone I've talked to, at least. It sounds like a bunch of I mean, paid spokespeople were <laughs> advertising. They still sell it today. They sell it uh-huh. to play Smash Bros. It's true. And, they and sell brand new ones. to to a Switch. Yep, it's true. <laughs> That's crazy. And look which one got redesigned. <laughs> the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, it's more ergonomic now. So... The controller itself, as I was, as I found out, they actually spent a ton of time trying to figure out the perfect controller for the system. Where they they focused like three years straight on the GameCube's controller, and it went through quite a few revisions. Where you can, I'll, I'll post some pictures on Twitter, but where they had like the B button was also like the kidney shape, like the X and Y, mm-hmm. uh, instead of the small circle. Uh, They had one that didn't have a D-pad. Instead, it had, like, the start button there where the D-pad is. I remember Uh, this this one. Some more, like, elongated looks. But, yeah, there's there's quite a few little prototypes you can look at before they landed on the the final design. Mm -hmm. And I will say it is a little weird, the the buttons, at least. Mm -hmm. You got this big old A button, a small B button. Yeah. And then these, yeah, the X and Y are, are these little kidney shapes. One directly above the A, one directly to the right. Uh-huh. And I do appreciate the X and Y placement because for this is the only controller, I feel like, that Nintendo made that was, like, consistent with the other controllers, like PlayStation mm. and Xbox, in, in where the core buttons were. 
Uh-huh. Because like Xbox, A is bottom, B wait. No, I'm I'm wrong. Because B is to the right and then X is to the left on the Xbox controller. So never mind, I'm wrong. <laughs> right? No, yeah, no, I am. <laughs> I had no clue, but I'm just gonna okay, trust that me... it was somewhat consistent. Okay, I'm I'm slightly wrong. But anyway, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. So we'll move on. So part of the design, their, their thought, they wanted the most important and critical button to be the biggest. Mm-hmm. And that's A. And that makes sense. Everyone knows, yeah, press A. A is the select button. It's the go button. It's the do button. It's <laughs> the jump. And then... Everything else is a little different because they wanted you to be able to know what button you're pressing without looking. Yeah. So they wanted to give everything a more distinct shape and feel. And I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. Today, mm-hmm. no one needs to really know by feel because we, we all have, you know, a higher level of video game competency. We've been uh, maybe in the for game- a while. At a- yeah, maybe in the GameCube days that wasn't the case. Yeah, the controllers weren't consistent looking, or at least consistent in feel. Now most <laughs> controllers have the same button layout. Yeah. GameCube controller, I think, will go down as one of my favorites. And another reason is because of the WaveBird. Mm-hmm. The WaveBird wireless controller. So this controller, honestly, it was like the first... It was really like the first wireless controller to get it right. Mm-hmm. And it still maintained the ergonomics. It it looked exactly the same, uh, except it didn't have the rumble feature. Mm-hmm. So it couldn't rumble, which, you know, isn't a huge deal. And for, <laughs> okay, so I just looked this up this morning as I wrote mm-hmm. down WaveBird for this podcast. I never realized that WaveBird is just what Nintendo named the controller. I always thought that WaveBird was like a third-party developer. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah, so these are, huh. these are actually first-party controllers. <laughs> I never knew that. I thought oh, no it was kidding. the name of a developer. <laughs> I, uh, for me, it was just the opposite. I thought, I, I thought it was the model name. I knew it was a first-party yeah, controller, so f- until then, you thought it was a third-party? Yeah, I, I just thought they had... Like, I thought it was, like, you know, first-party sponsored or uh-huh. approved, but they had, like, you know, exported the, the development and production to a different company oh, or something. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, I see, no, I see. the controller is named the WaveBird, and part of why it was so successful is because it used RFID technology, so, like, radio frequencies, mm-hmm. as opposed to, um, like, infrared line of sight, which yep, is what yep. a lot of the, the original third parties did. Yeah. Um, so if someone like walked in front of your controller, it didn't work very well. Yeah. And I, I just remember, remember uh, when my friend Jason, he was like, he was the first one to get a WaveBird, and thought it was so cool that I took it outside and played Tony Hawk through the window, and just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, why this wireless controller's working? And I complained from outside because outside is the best place to be playing your games, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got bragging rights there. So, Be like, hey, look where I am, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. I remember when I got one for the first time. It was cool and all, but I did not 
understand why it wouldn't rumble. I thought the giant uh, <laughs> section at the bottom was the rumble pack, but I could never get it to work. Oh, it's the battery so, pack. Yeah, it was the battery pack. I was stupid and young at the time. I mean, I'm still stupid, but uh, apparently I was worse <laughs> then because I couldn't figure it out. So for the longest time, I was like, oh, no, mine's defective. Like, yeah, it works great, but the rumble feature is not there. I am ashamed. <laughs> so that's my story with wow. the wave bird and also how it was fun to mess with people and turn the little um, switch on the bottom <laughs> so that the frequency was different. <laughs> I messed with people with that. It was funny. And you totally can, too. Funny. If you're playing multiplayer, hot seat, you can screw <laughs> with other people in a racing game. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, people, don't don't be <laughs> like me. <laughs> so anyway, I have I have three wave birds. And so I was proud of that. And they are still, they are very desired. So I just hopped on eBay right now. And here's one that says it is cleaned and tested going for $65 and as I look at the Jeez. picture it is still so so worn and yellowed in certain places What? I, as I scroll down they're very consistently going for uh, around $60 um, just wow. funny tangent we, so we have these we have these friends uh, who've got these two sons who are somewhere in high school and they're they're super nostalgic they're they're so fun to talk to because they're very nostalgic about these games that they never played because you know gamecube <laughs> was before they were born yep and and they collect all these things and i took them back to my game room once and they were going through my stuff and they're like oh my gosh how do you have three wave birds it's like <laughs> uh i lived it I was there. I bought it when it came out. And <laughs> it was just so funny that they were so amazed that I had kept all this stuff. And I was, I was very proud. Proud of my collection. That's really neat. You don't think much about that at the time. And heck, you probably wouldn't for a long time after. I mean, I didn't realize until just now that they were worth so much money. Jeez. Yeah. I've got several <laughs> back at home, too, back in the States. And wow, I need to get those <laughs> okay. out again and use them whenever I get yeah, back to the absolutely. United States again, but oh well. All right. Man, we are running out of time here. We talked longer than I thought. So uh, more more cool facts. Get a throw at you. This one blew me away. So before the GameCube actually came out, Microsoft offered to buy Nintendo, buy Nintendo as a whole for $25 billion dollars. Whoa. Which is insane to Holy to cow. create games exclusively for the Xbox, to be like an, a Microsoft property making Nintendo games for Xbox. And at first, Nintendo's like, <laughs> good one, $25 billion. Yeah, right. And then they realized Microsoft was serious because that is so much money. Yeah. And they, wow. they honestly considered it. But then eventually the, the then uh, Nintendo CEO, uh, Hiroshi Yam Yamauchi, he didn't think Microsoft, you know, really understood the gaming industry at the time. They were not the correct, you know, hands for Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And I'd say at the time he was right because the Xbox didn't exist yet. It wasn't out. And, you know, Microsoft was an unknown. I think mm -hmm. Microsoft has gone on to prove themselves. But it's just very interesting because when the Wii U failed people were very curious to whether or not Nintendo would keep making hardware uh -huh. or 
or if they would go third party like Sega did. Mm-hmm. And what a world to imagine, uh, you know, Nintendo not making consoles anymore. Yeah. But, Such a well-established. Yeah, they are. And the Switch has, you know, solidified their success to where they they don't need to consider anything like that. But it's just very interesting to think about like, oh, what a what an interesting timeline if if Microsoft owned Nintendo. The future that could have been. Nintendo's been going through, or they have gone through so many interesting stories. You got to think about the history of Nintendo, how they go from a playing card company well over 100 <laughs> years ago to the video game giant that it is today. Yeah. Think about all the stories that are there. And that's just yet another one. I did not know that. Yeah, Holy it, cow. that surprised me. So, okay, so speaking of that, so speaking of, you know, companies being bought bought up, just making software, Sega. At this point, they had made the Dreamcast. It, uh, it failed, which was too bad. Yeah, it is. That was a good system. I don't, I, so I don't know too much about the Dreamcast. I know it came out on September 9th of 1999 mm-hmm. here in the U.S. So nine 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 nine, pretty much. <laughs> and Clever. So there was a, you know, that, that went through some interesting development. They kind of burnt some bridges as mm-hmm. they built the Dreamcast. So one thing they really, that was weird is they pit this company called 3DFX and mm-hmm. Videologic they pit them against each other where they kind of told both that they were going to go with th- them like to help them make these this hardware mm-hmm. without really telling that they were also talking to the other company. Oh. And so they like forced these companies to compete and they were super mad at the end because I, I think they ended up going with 3DFX. I could be wrong. Mm. Which then, you know, really ticked off the other company. They like tried to sue them. Like, you didn't disclose this information. They also kind of burnt their relationship with EA because I think EA was tight with that other company. Oh, it's just all, all very interesting. What a mess. They partnered with Microsoft a bit. Microsoft made the operating system. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of what got Microsoft, you know, their foot in the door for making consoles. Because it's very interesting because this thing came out still in the N64's lifespan with pretty much GameCube quality graphics. It was it was ahead of its time. It really was. Beautiful console. And it, it, now that I think about it, it kind of looks like a GameCube too, just squished. It's a, <laughs> it's a shorter GameCube. But yeah, what was your experience <laughs> with this, with playing one? At friends' houses. We played it all the time. Multiplayer games. A lot of okay. Sonic 2. But the thing that sticks out with it is the graphics easily. Mm-hmm. It had really good graphics. Like, you don't really want to go back to the N64 when you play this uh, system. At least that's what I was thinking at the time. Oh, It didn't last yeah. super long. But yeah, <laughs> like you said, you have these GameCube quality graphics, or these, I should say, next-gen graphics at the time of the previous generation. So it's sad that it didn't really go as far as it could have. But yeah, um, 
yeah, you'd stick the memory cards in the controller, and they had this like little uh, LCD screen. I remember that, and the controller was pretty smooth. At least the joysticks were. They were a lot more smooth okay. than the N64. But it was kind of weird because the cords were attached to the on the bottom. Bottom, yeah. So that <laughs> really weirded me out. I don't know why that was the case, but well, well I guess because they left the top free for that card. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was a good system. Solid yeah. memories with it. At least I enjoyed them. So yeah. Well, it didn't. It didn't last long, and I think a lot of it was because of competition with the PlayStation Two, and because this thing was discontinued in 2001 and it mm. came out in 1999. So it only went for two years. And when the PlayStation two came out, they, they dropped their price to 149 oh. to try to be competitive. And uh-huh. obviously they're, they're losing money on that. Yeah. And so they thought, well, we'll, we're just going to make up all of our sales with software. However, software was super easy to pirate on this. Oh. And I won't go into the details because, you know, they kind of went over my head. But basically, it was pretty easy to, like, burn CDs for yeah. the <laughs> Dreamcast. And because of that, tons of pirated games were sold. And they ended up not making money off their software. Jeez. So they ultimately, they, they had to discontinue. And when when they announced that they were done, they dropped all their prices to just $50. Whoa. And, yeah. <laughs> so Holy it was cow. pretty easy to pick one up at that point you know come to think of it all the games that i played for the dreamcast were burnt pirated cds i think are you serious i think (laughs) i remember looking at them and they were like written one with permanent marker but now that you say that it makes perfect sense wow didn't even realize it at the time (laughs) okay so sega dissolved as a hardware company they started making software i know they had like an 11 game contract with xbox uh they also you know they ported some GameCube or some dreamcast games onto gamecube um most importantly in my opinion being the fantasy star online episodes one and two um awesome awesome game and it was like the only online game for gamecube so yeah, it GameCube, was. <laughs> you could buy this little modem adapter which is crazy to think that we had online games back then. Well, I guess that's not true because Xbox Live came out with Halo 2, which wasn't too much further. But anyway, mm-hmm. Fantasy Star Online, also called PSO, only online GameCube game that I know of. Uh, but there was a problem where hackers, you know, get old, get old Sony and their online stuff, or Sega with their online. <laughs> hackers figured out basically how to manipulate the connection where they could they could basically trick it into thinking it instead of being connected to the internet, it was like connected directly to your computer and they were able to like download and stream games to their GameCube. Oh, through fantasy star online through this modem adapter. And wow. It's just funny because then the game ended up relaunching and it has a new, it's, I forget what the title was, but the case is bluer, but anyway, they relaunched the game with the bug fix. So you can't do that, <laughs> but everyone before that can still do it. And it's just, it's hilarious because that was a critical bug that needed fixed. And even though it's an online game, they were unable to patch it like you do today. So they had to completely relaunch the game <laughs> to fix it. Oh, like, the problems of the day back what when online gaming was 
just a untapped frontier. I mean, it still is yeah. and always will be, but <laughs> there's more experience now. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah uh, that that's about it. I've just got one more fact to throw at you. Uh, peripheral wise, we we talked about the Game Boy. <laughs> the game boy player you can also connect your game boy advance to it which we talked about previously just a fun thing i i found was that they made a camera for the game boy advance kind of like the, the the original game boy camera yeah um where you can take a picture of your face and then plug it into your gamecube and then like upload your face and put it on these 3d models and ultimately they scrapped it but it's what inspired me's going forward that oh you know each each game has each system has had has nintendo yeah <laughs> holy cow the game boy but player anyway, did you ever have one of those i did not i remember i was always it was really cool to see friends who had it just to see game boy advance games blown up on the tv it was fun and that's how i beat a lot of my later game boy advance games was just through pure game boy player play huh that's cool it's like having a know, like a super nintendo kind of that was but, it well i'm gonna look up a price because that sounds fun i want to play through some games on on that yeah the game boy player there. you stuck it into the bottom of your gamecube and you could play any game boy game boy color or game boy advance game except for those those video ones like where you have the cartoon episodes on oh yeah they didn't like it if you used the game boy player for them one time i even stuck my game boy uh camera in the game boy player and like yeah it's (laughs) cool but it doesn't really do much because you can just see up or down because you can't move it around so it was kind of useless other than you know being able to play some of the mini games on there which was fun oh my gosh this is ridiculous so i'm I'm looking it up right now Uh, i'm pretty consistently seeing the game the player itself the that you plug into it is going for like 45 to 90 dollars but that's oh. not with the disc is not included because you have to have the game boy player disc in the queue yeah yeah and you that's do. going for like a hundred bucks good gosh you kidding me what so you can't use this thing unless you have a lot of money <laughs> yeah that disc that's what you needed you needed that disc okay we've gone on long enough uh, so there's a bunch of some cool facts about the GameCube. It was a, a interestingly designed, super ergonomic controller. It was it's just wonderful. So Jake, let's go ahead and, and wrap things up. Let's do a top five multiplayer. Let's do it. I've got some cool ones here, and I'm sure you've got some as well. Oh heck yes! So last week we did top top five single player. We scored one point with our only common game being Super Mario Sunshine. Let's score uh, another point. So I'm interested because you said you thought of a lot more multiplayer games than yes. single player games. I, I kind of struggled to find multiplayer games. So hmm. we'll we'll see how we do. So would you All like to right. kick it off with your number five multiplayer game? My number five. Dun, 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 dun. Drum roll, please. Super Monkey Ball 2. Do you have that on your list? No, I never owned that game. Oh. I think I rented it once. Oh, okay. I have not played that very much. Okie dokie. What's your number five? Well, tell us a bit about it. Well, it it's a awesome party game. 
you play as little monkeys in these balls and you move the boards around and move the ball so that the monkey goes to different places. And like it had billiards, it had dog fighting, it had baseball, it had soccer, racing, everything. Yeah, I I remember that. So Super Monkey Ball 2 was my number five. It was fun to play with friends. And that was another game that got its file deleted. And honestly, for me, I think the issue was third-party memory cards. Because I remember always buying these cheap third-party memory cards, and then the data would get erased. So I think, continuing on from our issue of talking about that last week, that was the issue. Third-party memory cards. (laughs) Anyway, slight tangent. My number five is Super Monkey Ball 2. (laughs) Good game. Good multiplayer. What's yours? Uh, My number five was Donkey Konga. Donkey Konga. Konga. <laughs> so yeah, I I remember when it when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's that's dumb. And then some of my friends were kind of getting interested in it, and I I think I played it at like a Circuit City. It's like, uh-huh. oh, this this is kind of fun, and yeah. it's just nice because a bunch of my friends also had it. So I mean, very few people had more than one Konga set for actual multiplayer. So uh-huh. you had to have a friend that also owned the game. But when they brought their Congos over. Uh, it was just, it was really cool. It was like the early stages of Guitar Hero, you know? Yeah, those rhythm Before games. Before that was a thing. With the giant peripherals. Yeah, that yeah. game needed a drum roll right there. Oh, anyway. yes. Good, Good game. Point. It's not on my <laughs> list, but that was a fun one. I do remember right. playing that as well. All right. So number four, Jake. My number four is Mario Kart Double Dash. Nice. That is on my list, but Sweet. not number four. Okay. Still, it's on your list. That's a positive thing. It is. So, why did you like this game? Probably for the same reasons that you did. It was well, Mario I didn't Kart. Any reasons. And <laughs> well, it was Mario Kart first off, and it was cool. This one's particularly cool, and one of my all-time favorite Mario Karts because you've got two people on each cart, and you can control them yeah. separately. Like one of them holds an item while the other drives, and one controls throwing items while you drive. And that was an interesting, fun dynamic with multiplayer because Mm -hmm. you could have the second player control the person on the back of the cart while you drove and vice versa. So that was, that's what made this game interesting. So a fun quirk that made it memorable, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I've, I've played this game to death. I Mm -hmm. love that game so much. Yeah. Um, And I think this, that's definitely a game deserving of its own episode. So we will... We will drive much more in depth <laughs> for that game in the future. <laughs> All right. So my number four is Mario Party 4. Ooh. Mario Party 4, huh? Yeah. So this was the first Mario Party I owned. And I don't know. It was just single player wise. Not a lot of fun. I think it only had like four maps to choose from. But just having friends over, playing mini games is great. I played this a lot. What would and you I say there were won. many of them? There were many of them. Oh, yeah, and you still win. <laughs> Every time we play Mario Party of any sort, you always win. You've got the experience with Mario Party, that's for sure. Uh, maybe Mario Party 4. Uh, I, I don't win the other ones very much. Even Super but, Mario Party on Switch, which is pretty good. I, I highly recommend it, even though they have a uh, Nintendo. Nintendo sometimes just releases these games because they're supposed to, and then they forget about them because it has had no update or patch support like pretty much since it was launched. 
It's like, really? You can't, why wouldn't you put in new characters or new mini games or new maps? Because, again, there's only four maps here. Yeah. But no, they just they put it out and forgot about it. But uh, Mario Party 4, that one was cool because it was a big step up from Mario Party 3. Yeah. Graphically and, I mean, mostly just graphically at that point, but mm. real good. So what is your th- number three? My number three is, well, you know what? I totally did this wrong. No, actually, no, I did this right. It's Super Smash Brothers Melee. Okay. Also on my list. Sweet. So let's talk about it. There's a lot to talk about with Super Smash Brothers Melee. <laughs> There's... I, this. this game, I think, was like the most contentful Smash Bros. game ever. I mean, I didn't own the one on Wii Brawl, but there was so much packed into this game. It's true. And this is one that I think is still worthy of being played consistently. I mean, heck, it's still the standard for tournaments, right? Super yeah. Smash Brothers Melee. That's so crazy. And I don't understand why, because I'm not a super competitive Smash Bros. player. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't really know why Melee is the pinnacle, why it holds up, but it is good. It is Someone good. thought it was good, and it is good. It's such a jump, graphically and content-wise. Gotta love those trophies. Like, the trophy collecting for me was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. So what's your, what's your uh, number three? My number three, we talked about it, is Fantasy Star Online. Okay. And cool beans. It's it's a pretty... When you look back at it now, it's pretty kind of generic and not a lot to it. Just like A attacks and X attacks, you know, stronger, <laughs> weaker. And uh, it was just... We played this very extensively with friends. Like, all, all my neighbors had it. We were always going over to each other's houses, taking our memory cards and playing. And nice. So I said I'd tell a story about a file being erased. It was in this game. And oh no. We I I don't know how many hours it took, but I had a level 80 ranger and okay. that took forever. And then my friend he had a level 100 and we were he was like the first person in our group to hit 100 and we were so impressed. Wow. And we played we played the heck out of this game. And so one day I was at his house me, him, and his little brother, who was two years younger than us, were playing it. They were, they were uh, generally hostile. They were very hostile towards each other. <laughs> they get in some argument, some fight. They're yelling at each other to where the brother, he just he hits save and quit. And he hits save and quit and then immediately just slams the GameCube and turns it off while it's hmm. saving Oh, and storms out of the room. And so it wasn't intentional, but we're just like, we realized what he had done and boot it back up. And his character was just gone. It was like corrupted. He couldn't play his level 102 anymore. Oh, shoot. Mine, mine, I guess, wasn't necessarily gone because the way the game worked is you would bring your memory card, put it in slot B and then you would like transfer it over to slot A. And then when you're done, you transfer it back. But basically, it was just making a copy of your character. Mm. And okay. to to protect from like item duplicating, mm-hmm. it, 
basically you had to have it safely transferred back to your memory card. So, oh, I see. Basically, it, it lost it on his on his memory card. I was able to restore it on mine, but it only kept the his level. So all of my gear, my items, my money, and my mag, my that was something another thing you had to level up. Uh-huh. Uh, those were gone. And so I did have some solace knowing that I didn't lose that character. Uh-huh. I just I never really played again after that because oh, it was hard shoot. it was still hard to get all that gear back. And yeah, yeah, no <laughs> how kidding. could I get the gear now being so weak without the gear? Uh-huh. To go get the you know what I mean? It's a, it's a circular problem. Shoot, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't just you you don't want to jump start that again. It's like you put too much time yeah. and effort into this. I don't want to redo the lost time that should be there. Shoot, man, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. Uh your number 2, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Uh, I should have known. Yeah. <laughs> that was on your list of N64 games, too. <laughs> yeah, it was. Great game. Huge upgrade from the N64 version. Great multiplayer, too. Absolutely. And I think it was one of the first T-rated games I got away with playing. Ooh. Yeah, I was so edgy at the time. You're so edgy, like Darth Maul, who's in the game. Oh, snap. Yeah. And you showed <laughs> me how to unlock him with cheat codes, not naturally. So of course Again. I went and did the same thing. <laughs> there's there's natural ways to unlock characters. Yeah, you have I to didn't know that. <laughs> yep, there's there's ways other than cheat codes. This is crazy as it is, but yeah, it's awesome. And he had a hoverboard too. That's what made him cool. Oh yeah, he did. Fun stuff. Wolverine so, was also uh, in there. But yeah, anyway. Oh, go ahead. Was. Okay, uh, my number two is Double Dash, which we talked about. Nice. And I'll just go ahead and say my number one is smash bros melee so what is your number one star wars jedi outcast so (laughs) i i figured this would be on your list somewhere and honestly man it's been so long since i played that game that i don't really remember it too much um but i will say it was the single player that stood out to me i think the multiplayer just seemed like it something to do it wasn't like i don't know gripping it wasn't good it was just like hey you want to play star wars okay oh <laughs> maybe it was because like you it was, had the it. multiplayer wasn't the selling point <laughs> yeah maybe it was just because you had it and like i thought it was such a great game at the time that i really loved it and I had to go out and get it but yeah i, I like the multiplayer more for some reason i don't know why it just sticks out more to me now that i think about it again but this game was really cool because you could switch between third person or yeah third person and first person views which was kind of unprecedented at the time and of course third yeah and in third person was great for the lightsaber i should say that was really fun to to play with but this was also a hard game to find it was rare for a while and i think they did a reprint or something later on but um, oh. It was going for like 60, 70 bucks at the store, even like a used copy. And that was insane for a video game. And everyone said the same thing. It's hard to find. It's hard to find. So eventually I tracked one down and uh, I, got, I got it, of course. Um, 
mm-hmm. only after the uh, sales clerk said, you know, if the person who has this on reserve doesn't show up to get it, you can <laughs> have it. So I went in maybe a week later and then I think they asked me, I don't know if it was the same guy, they asked me, are you the person who had this on reserve? And I said, yeah. And I bought the game, and I think <laughs> I just uh, I, I stole it from the person that was supposed to have it. But at the time, I didn't think about it. I was not um, uh, perceptive enough to realize that what I did at the oh, time. So you didn't, I didn't realize, realize you were stealing it. <laughs> no, I thought, oh, they gave it to me because the other person didn't show up. But looking back, it was like, oh snap! <laughs> so someone just got uh, just just got cheated out of their copy some point so whoever that is oh, i am sorry to you but the copy ended up not working very well i had to get a new one or they they gave me a new one for free because it was scratched up beyond repair that's too bad it is yeah for the person who was supposed to get it <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah yeah it was good good game and i for some reason i think a lot of games that even though i loved them once i was just done and tired with them i would trade them just because yeah. it's the best way to get new games. So this is one I, I eventually traded away, and I just rebought again. I think last time you were here mm-hmm. when we went to the exchange, yeah. I, I bought it again. I bought that in Rogue Leader. It was a Star yeah. Wars day. Uh-huh. Um, and then I got home, and real, I was a little mad because it's the it's the box art in a DVD case. It's not oh. a, a legit GameCube case. It's like, ah, oh, snap. now I need to like go on eBay and find an actual GameCube case and transfer mm-hmm. it all over. But anyway. I see. That stinks, man. Oh, well. So that is our top five multiplayer games. And Jake, I am very excited to continue on talking about GameCube games at length. We won't talk just about GameCube. We're... we're uh, We'll get into some Xbox. We'll get into some some PC games I want to talk about, too, from the 2000s. Uh, and we'll try to have more guests again going forward. Uh, it's just it, getting guests is kind of tough. And yeah. It yep. was awesome having Mark. So we'll, we'll work on getting some other friends in here as well going Sounds forward. wonderful. Yeah, we've got some stuff. We've got some content for you. Yes. All right. So for now... This is where we leave you. The GameCube was great. It is still great. Let's go play some GameCube. Jake, go find one. Get Wind Waker. And uh, things will be good. So. Excellent. I will have to. Yes, you will. Keep up with us on Twitter. And that's it. So. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And you guys are all real cool people for listening to this podcast. Have an awesome week. Have a great week, everyone. Whoa, whoa, you gotta say sayonara. That's your thing. I I was gonna say it after you said see you. Okay, anyway. Minasan, sayonara. Bye. Donkey Konga. Donkey Konga. Conga, 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 Conga,